thanks for downloading the audio podcast of this week's sermon. We pray you'll be blessed and encouraged with the words you hear. Nehemiah heard of uh, Jerusalem's condition. Yes, he lived in Shushan. It was the capital city of the Persians. And he lived in the citadel. And that was like a fortified palace of the Persians. And right away we know that he had significance. He was probably, it's a better description in today's world, he was the personal assistant to the king of Persia. But we notice Nehemiah's heart. Yes, he worked in, in, um, in Persia, but his heart and his interest was in Jerusalem, some 800 miles away. And he wanted to know from those returning how the people of the city were um, doing. And his heart was for the things of God. His heart was not for himself, but for others. And the news that he had received, it wasn't encouraging. And the people were called survivors, only survivors, survivors. This isn't indeed a hopeful title. The people were in great distress and reproach. The walls of the city had been broken down and the gates had been burned with fire. And this is the bad state of God's people. And indeed, these are interlinked and connected. In the ancient world, a city without walls was a city that was completely open. It was vulnerable and uh, to the enemies. It had no defense. It had no uh, protection. An unwalled city meant that nothing of value could have been within um, the city. And those living in that unwalled city lived in constant stress. They were in tension. They never knew when the next attack would be coming. They were open and every man lived in that fear for his wife, for his family. The temple, yes, it had been rebuilt, but it was never made beautiful because there was nothing of value that could uh, be within the temple. It would, could have been easily taken away. No wonder that people lived in this constant distress, a constant disgrace, a reproach, merely surviving. And can I say to you this morning, and I will refer to this a few times, God has more uh, for us than to be mere survivors in this, in this world. God not only wants us to be conquerors, but more than conquerors through him who has loved us. And I say to you this morning, know who you are in God. Know your identity in your uh, God. And Nehemiah's reaction to the news about Jerusalem and its people, his immediate reaction was one that he sat down he wept and he mourned. It tells us there that he mourned for many days that God was going to use, use Nehemiah to do something about this situation. Here's the first point this morning. God did something in Nehemiah and any great work of God begins with God doing a great work personally in our lives. And God prepared this a long time ago Yes, Nehemiah was taken to Babylon. He was in that important position in, in Persia. His heart was curious about the welfare of Jerusalem and his people. And now we see his heart broke over their needy um, state. And God would do something great in Nehemiah's life for his people. There's no way that Nehemiah could have done this alone. And he had to be a leader. And it's one who influences other 
people to get the job done. And Nehemiah is a book about leadership and something we obviously need in our world today and even in our country today. And since leadership has influence and leadership applies to each one of us here this morning, it's not necessarily about Pastor Paul or elders or um, you who are in departments of the church. I say to you this morning, you are leaders in your homes, in your families, in your workplaces of all who you influence in your life. And in some way, we are leaders. And I can say this morning that leaders must have vision. And Nehemiah had a vision. And through Nehemiah, God was going to correct something that had been around for 150 years. And through Nehemiah, God was going to do something that had completely failed uh, before. And can I say this morning, we need vision. We must have a vision. We must have a goal that is achievable only with God's uh, doing. And Nehemiah was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And he immediately did what he knew to do. And that was to pray and intensely seek God in this situation. And he says, the God of heaven. He had a clear understanding of who his God was when he fasted and he prayed. There are many gods in our world today and people trust in many different things. But the God of heaven is the only God who can meet our needs. We see his prayer this morning. He prayed to God and he says, I pray and prayer is essential in any leadership. And here's a quote this morning. If your vision is so big that only God can accomplish it, then you must pray. If prayer isn't an absolute necessity to accomplish your vision, it isn't from God. It appears that Nehemiah prayed for four months before he did anything. And later when the rebuilding of the wall actually began, it took 50 day, 52 days to finish the job. And that 52 day project had a four month foundation in prayer. I pray, Lord God of heaven, there is a God this morning who is enthroned in the heavens and Nehemiah recognized exactly who God is. Lord God of heaven, great and awesome God who keep your covenant, your mercy with those who love you. Let your ear be attentive. And that was his utter and complete dependence upon his God. And we see his heart. He had a heart that was ready to do something. Yes, he had been given a plan by God. And God always works through a plan. Chaos and ad hoc things and happenings aren't the works of the Lord. The Lord our God is a planning God. In Psalm 33 and verse 11, we read, The counsel of the Lord stands forever. His heart to all generations from the beginning of the plan of salvation and eternity past God has a plan and is working it out Mark has already said on Tuesday the 14th we are coming together here in the church from 9am to 9pm to pray to fast to seek God in this year of advance in this year of opportunity that our hearts would be ready to move with God in this generation. Nehemiah came to Jerusalem 
He had requested a period of leave uh, from the king of Persia, where he was that personal assistant. And uh, interestingly, that lasted 12 years. Um, and the king had granted him royal assent. He had given him a guard and he had given him materials uh, to build. So he came to um, Jerusalem. Then I went, and it just simply says to us, his heart in leadership. He went, he actually done something about it. He went those 800 uh, miles to Jerusalem to do the work of rebuilding um, the walls. And he came, he arrived and um, to Jerusalem. And if you turn with me in your Bibles to um, chapter 2, um, to we see what he'd done here. And chapter 2, verse 11 to verse um, 16. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. I arose in the night. I had a few men with me. I told no man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. No, nor was there any animal with me except upon the one of which I rode. And I went out at night through the valley gate to the serpent well to the refuge gate. I viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and its gates which were burned with fire. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, and there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. I turned back and entered the valley gate, so I returned. The officials didn't know where I was or where I'd gone or, and what I had done, and had not yet told the Jews, the priests, that the nobles, the officials, or the others who did the work. And after being there in Jerusalem of three days of what God had put in his heart when he came with that military escort with timber from the king of Persia from his forest, people would have noticed him. And, um, but yet he didn't tell anyone what he was doing. Nehemiah wasn't sightseeing hearing. Instead, he had carefully studied those broken down walls, the gates that had been burned, and the word viewed here is from a medical term which means probing a wound to see the extent of the damage. Here's my first point this morning, surveying the landscape. In any building project, you need to do a survey. And um, for anyone who's got an extension renovation done, you will know that there has to be a measured survey where you come and you find out what it is you're working with. Another type of survey is a topographical survey where you establish the levels, the boundaries of the portion of ground that you're going to build on. A geotechnical survey um, checks out the ground conditions that you are going to build on. And I was thinking about this and you would be calling in the likes of Raymond McKendry to uh, dig you a trial hole to see what the soil's like and Matthew Irons. Um, Matthew drills the ground and takes cores and then of course you would have Emily Miller, who would analyze those cores and, um, and tell you um, how much money you need to spend on foundations that are never uh, seen. But this was a condition survey. Nehemiah went round these walls at night and he inspected um, the walls. And for the first time, he saw with his eyes what had been reported to him and what God had called him to repair. There's no way that he made this condition survey with a dry eye. He had seen the extent of the damage, the fear, the poverty, um, the insecurity, those broken walls, um, which meant in the lives of his people. And can I say here this morning, 
We are never used of God to bring blessing until God has opened our eyes and made us see things as they are. The walls of Jerusalem were broken. The gates were burned with um, fire. And Nehemiah knew that he couldn't go forth uh, to build these walls unless he seen the situation. He focused not on what was right in Jerusalem at this time. Yes, the temple was built. They worshipped, they sacrificed there, and but progress was, was being made. But sometimes we need to look at what is wrong, and this is what Nehemiah did. He surveyed the landscape, and this is indeed an example of how we must look at the landscape around us, those broken down towers, and carefully study what is wrong. And we need to have that heart we need that prayer. We need that vision, that passion to be used of God to set things right. Survey the landscape. In our nation today, 10% of people have said that religion is important in their lives. 20% will say that they attend church service at least monthly. 6%, not even double fingers, figures, say that they pray daily. 12% say they believe in God with absolute um, certainty. Gender identity, equality is a massive issue in our nation today. And can I say, God is not a God of confusion. God is a God of order. There's a generation of young people who are fatherless. There's a generation who knows little or nothing about God. And that is on our doorstep um, where the Bible influence has not seen of relevant or at necessity. There are those who are snared in drugs alcohol, immoral living, and as we heard on Tuesday night, invisible trafficking. There's a community around us that needs to be impacted with the love of God outside these four walls. Within our families, our work environments, our universities, our schools, our neighbours, our friends, they need to be restored. They need to be reconstructed within the walls of household salvation. It's vital in any undertaking for God to survey the landscape. And it begins with someone like Nehemiah who was bold enough to look at the facts, to diagnose them and rise to the task. There's many lives are like those broken walls, living with a constant sense of fear, of poverty, insecurity, oppression, and we need not hide our eyes from these broken down uh, places. People are hurting, trapped, snared in this world in a cycle of sin. But I reassure you this morning that God can, God will build up the broken down portions of these walls. God can do it again and again. He is the same God today as he always has been yesterday, now, and forever. He is always the same. There is no reason to doubt God can do it again. It is true our God is abundantly able to do above all that we can ask or think. He has done it before and he will do it again. And Nehemiah encouraged the people to rise up and build, to establish those walls of protection, those walls of security where they would have identity again as the people 
of God. And I say to you this morning, church, it's time to arise and pray and seek God individually with one accord to have identity as God's people in this time and in this generation. Survey the landscape, build the walls. Nehemiah met with the leaders of Jerusalem and he said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in waste, the gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may longer be our approach. And I told them of the hand of God which had been good upon me and also um, of the king's words that he had spoken to me. And so they said, let us rise up and build. And then they set their hands to this good work. You see the distress that we are in and all probability they had come to accept that this was an impossible. It seemed that no one could fix this 100 year old problem. Years ago when someone tried the enemies came and they stopped them from doing so and Nehemiah said to them now he explained his vision for the rebuilding of the walls um, to the leaders of the city there was a tremendous amount of importance in this meeting. Nehemiah couldn't do the job himself and wisely he asked for their partnership and he told them to come let us build the walls of Jerusalem. He had figured that the heart um, um, that God would move upon the hearts of his people. He had spoke to that pagan king to partner in his work. He gave him that escort. He gave him the timber from the king of Persia's forest. Um, and yet and for all, Nehemiah had figured that God would speak to the hearts of his own people to join in. And Nehemiah wasn't there to do it for them, but to partner with them in the job of restoring the people of Jerusalem. And he wisely pointed them to the result. What was the purpose of all this? That we may no longer be a reproach. This wasn't about the bricks and the mortar. It wasn't about um, building and establishing it in that sense. It was about removing the condition of shame, of fear, of poverty and insecurity of God's uh, people. Yes, the hard work had to be done with the bricks and the mortar would be worth it, but it would have that spiritual um, impact. It would indeed establish God's people again, both individually and as a community. I say again to you this morning, God has more for us than to be survivors in this world. God not only wants us to be conquerors, but to be more than conquerors through him who has loved us. And wisely, Nehemiah encouraged them in the Lord. He told them at the hand of God had been good upon him that this wasn't his project. It was God's project. And he said, let us rise and build. For anyone who's involved in project management, this has to be the ultimate example. It would have been easy for the people to deny the need for these walls. For a hundred years, they lay in ruin. The temple had been rebuilt. They were getting along, so to speak. The project, they could have looked at it and thought, it's too much work. What of these surrounding enemies? The opposition is so strong. They had stopped them before, but they set their hands to this good work. And it shows us that God's hand is at work. Nehemiah's heart 
his prayer, his boldness, his vision, his action, his wisdom were all uh, rewarded. That God had inspired them and God moved in the hearts of the leaders uh, to do this. And that is you and I this morning. People with influence, again in our families, in our neighbours, amongst our work colleagues, our friends in school and university. It's not enough in these days to simply get along God has more for us and now is the time to enter and, and the key element here in chapter 3 is that they built and repaired together. People of all sorts of backgrounds, professions, they came together to rebuild uh, the work and do the work together. There were priests, there were perfumers, there were goldsmiths, there were merchants, there were rulers, there were families, there were daughters they were sons, but together they built. And we come here this morning together as the body built together from different backgrounds, but with Christ as the foundation, as the cornerstone to each believer. And can I say here this morning, one stone isn't a wall. It is together that we build the wall and in 1 Peter 2 and 4, you'll know these words. We come to him this morning, to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are a chosen Generation, That's who you are in God this morning, a royal priesthood, that holy nation, his own special uh, people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but you are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Together we build the community of God and on Friday night we are gathering together to recognize all those ministries within the life of the church here as stones that form the wall of the church here in Balamone. Survey the landscape, build the wall and finally this morning bridge the gaps Nehemiah did come against enemy opposition that rose to the work um, that they were doing. And we read in chapter um, 2 and in chapter 4 that there were Sanballat and Tobiah and uh, Gershom. When they heard of what they were doing, they despised them and they laughed at them. What is this thing that you are doing? And Nehemiah's answer to his opponents, he said he answered them, the God of heaven will prosper us. It is the Lord's doing that these walls would be built. And they arose and they built with these walls. In chapter 4, if again, if we could just read a few verses here. Um, and so what happened when Timbalat, Zimbalat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant. And he mocked the Jews and spoke before his brethren. And the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? And Tobiah the Amorite was beside him and he said, 
Whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, it will break down their stone wall. And in these final remarks, I want you to notice the response of Nehemiah. Hear, O our God. Nehemiah is focused on leadership, but on prayer. And he says, for we are despised. Turn their reproach upon their own heads. Give them as plunder to the land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity, nor let their sin be blotted out before them, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So we built the wall. The entire wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. And now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, and the Amorites, and the Ashdites heard of the walls of Jerusalem being restored. I love this. The gaps were being uh, closed. They became angry and they all considered them to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. But nevertheless, nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. With one hand, they worked. With the other hand, they um, held a weapon. And they had developed this wonderful system on, on the walls. Um, in verse 20 of chapter 4, you read, Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, that was the rally call to come to the one location um, to defend against um, the enemies. And here was the reason. Our God will fight for us. And I say this morning, it is time to sound the trumpet call to prayer. That was Nehemiah's key Verse 4, hear, O God, was Nehemiah's prayer. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. And if I can say that, nevertheless, it's not flippant. It doesn't uh, ignore what is going on in our lives. But I say to you this morning, this is perspective in our God. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. God. The walls were completed. And now therefore, O oh God, he said, strengthen my hands. And we must do what Nehemiah did to pray for that strength, for his power in our lives. The amount of time it took to finish the job was remarkably short. The walls were in ruins for those hundred years. And then they were set right in a period of 52 um, days. Why wasn't that job done a hundred years uh, previous? It wasn't that the people didn't see um, the walls were needed, they were wanted, but um, people saw those broken walls and they knew it told so much of the condition of God's uh, people. And many a time I'm sure they would have wished that those walls would have been uh, built. Finally, God had spoke to this man, Nehemiah. He grieved he ached, he prayed, he planned, he asked boldly, he went, he fought, he encouraged, and he stood strong and saw the job through to um, completion. But he also had a people around him with the same kind of heart. Yes, God used Nehemiah to set that 100-year-old problem in less than two months. And it's the same God who is amongst us today, who sits in the throne of heaven and who works in the lives of his uh, people. And 52 days at the beginning when he saw the need, Nehemiah had already prayed for four uh, months. And he worked longer in prayer 
than it physically needed to do um, the job. And it highlights again that spiritual battle was greater than the material uh, battle. The battles were hard. The work was big. There were challenges from within. There were challenges from without. But the job was now complete. The walls were built and the victory was sweet. Many of us live Christian lives today in a world where perhaps you think no one um, takes notice. But the Lord knows all about the situations of your life. And I say to you this morning, let the Lord do a building work amongst us. There may be gaps that still need to be closed and to be um, completed. I'm almost um, finished. I thought on John 13, when Jesus had sat down with the disciples to have um, that last um, supper, when he washed the disciples' feet, when he told Peter um, of his um, denial and of his going away, and suddenly there was going to be a gap. And he said those, these words in John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will. That is the certainty of that promise. I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be um, also. The disciples had reason to be troubled. Jesus had told them that one was a traitor, one would deny him, and that he would leave them that night. Yes, they were troubled. And Thomas said unto him, Lord, where are you going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When the walls of life are broken, know for certainty that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. He didn't just say that he would show us a way in life. He is the absolute way. He didn't promise to teach us a truth. He said that he is the truth. Yes, and he didn't offer us conditions for life. He said that he is the life. Without the way, there is no going. He is the way which you and I must follow. Without the truth, there is no knowing. That truth which you and I must believe in, that's the truth that will set us free. And without the life, there is no living. The life for which you and I must hope. Our expectation is not to be survivors, but our expectation is in him, our living hope. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus made this remarkable statement, remarkable statement, claiming that he is the only way to God. And the Bible consistently presents the one true God. And Jesus is the only way to the one true God. And folks, this morning we're coming to this table to um, have communion. And I think this morning that Jesus was the only way that that gap could be bridged. The love that drew salvation's plan, the grace that had brought it down, 
to sinful man. And that mighty gap, that gulf that God did span at Calvary, where it was made possible for you and I to cross that gap from sin and enter into that freedom, that joy, that knowledge of sins forgiven within the security of God's love through Calvary's finished work. Survey the landscape. Build the wall. Bridge the gap. May the Lord add a blessing to his word in your hearts. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like any more information, have a look at our website at www.ballymoneyelam.com. <laughs>